Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lucas Burnley here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz, and you are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. Um, we've got a topic today that is stemming from some things that TJ is directly going through and that I've gone through in different ways over the years. Um, it really comes down to balance, and the balance is production in the workshop versus promotion um, any kind of content creation, um, and maybe a little bit of R and D thrown in there as well. And how, as a sole shop owner, you balance or don't balance those things. So TJ, man, I'm going to hand it over to you since you, this is like fresh on your mind. Yeah. It just seems like in the, in the modern era we live in with all the YouTube and the Instagram and, and whatnot, that staying relevant involves to some extent being also a content creator. So it's not just about making your product anymore, which some might disagree. There's, I'm sure some people doing very well just making their product and going to shows and whatnot. But for me, in, in looking at the next 10 years, I, I think honing my skills as a, I guess, content creator would be the only phrase I could think of, is, is an important part of building my brand. Uh, because, again, staying relevant means staying visible and where people's eyes are is where you need to be. And with Instagram and YouTube, like and this podcast, uh, it takes a certain degree of effort to do it. Um, but the, the hard part is that I've run into is like, I'm, I'm scaling my business in my shop and I'm making more knives. And as my, de the demand for my time in the shop increases, there's a, there's a tendency or like a desire to just kind of bag all the content creation and just go to making knives and just say, well, I've got enough customers for X amount of months. That's all I need to focus on right now. Um, but then a few months later, you realize like, man, I've been dark and it does seem like exposure and promotion sort of slips in that time. You know what I mean? So the idea of balancing those two of like actually making stuff and staying relevant in the 21st century is a challenge. It's something that I'm interested in learning more about seeing what, how you, I think, you think, man, I think, <laughs> I think this is going to be relevant in a, in a few different areas, but honestly, I think this is probably a problem that is not, maybe not as old as craft, but well, I mean, sure. I mean, you, have, you always had to get your product in front of the a population that was interested in it. Mm -hmm. If we go back in custom knife making, just relating it to that, originally it was shows because mm -hmm. if you were a maker and you didn't go to a show, no one saw your work. You know, this is like pre magazines. This is pre, you know, internet. So you went to the shows, you took your orders, you went to the next show. If you stop going to shows, you might maintain some of your customer base, but it changes, right? These are like mm -hmm. the legacy makers. I mean, these are like, you know, the lovelesses, like this is the yeah. era that they operated in. Um, moving, moving forward, even as like magazines came around, that was the same thing. Like if you didn't have your knives photographed, they didn't get in the magazines, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like many areas of our life, the, <laughs> the resources are like exponentially greater than they've ever been, but so are the demands on our time. Yeah. Right. One, one of the ways I've heard it put is with social media, if you're a business owner, the benefit of it is that you can use it. The problem with it is you have to use it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a double-edged sword of as soon as everyone else, it's like an arms race. Because right. of all the other businesses are using it, they're going to, you know, fill the space of where people's eyes and ears are. 
And so right. if you're not there too, then you're a step behind. Well, and it's, and it's crazy because we're all at different step, like stages in our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started making knives, I was really fortunate to kind of come into like the forum era. Mm-hmm. So this was the USN forum, blade forums, knife network, um, CKNG, like, you know, uh, which was custom knife and gun forums. And in there, you basically had an element of social media, right? Cause you had access to a customer base and you had access to other makers. And I always, I always kind of looked at it as like the pit at blade show. You're just in a social event with people that want to be in the same room and have similar interests. Mm-hmm. In a way that was easier to manage than what we've got going on now. Um, cause it was kind of sole source. Like I would do my shows in the year when I wasn't doing a show, I would be on the USN forum towards the end. I was only, I think on the USN forum. Um, but you would go on, you would post some photos, you know, I had like a sub forum in there and you might be on there a couple times a day that's a very different flow than Instagram and Facebook are now for most people, which is borderline constant interaction. Yeah. When I, I came into the industry right when Instagram was like taking hold of this whole industry and Instagram kind of became the flagship. It seemed like the torch had been passed from blade forms to Instagram right about when I came along. Yeah. And Instagram at the time was chronological and it was just generic. Like it, there wasn't anything fancy with it. it didn't have the reels stories. And like you would best. follow 50 people and you would see those 50 people's posts chronologically. And if you refresh the page and no one had posted since the last time you refreshed, that was all you saw. Right. So you would check it an hour later. And if three other people that you follow posted, you would see three more posts and it was just a chronological linear feed. And it was like, it was a good proxy for the forums because that's sort of the way forums are. But then the algorithm era came along and now we're seeing, you know, the aftermath of that. And it used to be with Instagram when I got started. Instagram, I've credited many times with like the formation of my brand and business Mm -hmm. initially and why certain people heard about me in the early days. And then now the difficulty in achieving that is, is more a technical difficulty of like knowing what the algorithm is. Where is this headed? What is, you know, what or it should be doing more video content, less images, how many hashtags, you know, it's become like a science and that's where just staying relevant in that scene is, is a challenge, you know? Well, in a way, and I'm, I'm like probably aging out of Instagram in a way because I'm not actively modifying my process for Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's not that I don't want to, it's, it's a value proposition um, at this point, am I best served figuring out how to do more reels, spending the time doing reels, video creation? Like, absolutely. If I'm interested in it, have the bandwidth to do it. Um, this kind of falls under the never fight a week position, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, concept for me, which is like, no matter what I do, I will not be able to create EDC content like, you know, Peter McKinnon or Raven, the pirate, or, you know, I mean, these guys who that is, that is like what they're doing. Like, you know, watch a couple of talents videos, the video production, that's the job, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's interesting to me is that's actually kind of where you started. I've always had to manage like making and figuring out how to like 
interact on a forum or, or moving into Facebook, moving into Instagram. You actually started out with video production and now the other side of your business has become so dominant that even though you've done it, it's hard to maintain it. Yeah. It's, it's a hundred percent a time thing. It's, I mean, like you said, it's a full-time job to create that kind of content or at least like, at least if you have a full-time job and you're doing it on the side, that's the only thing you're doing on the side. You know right. what I mean? Cause that stuff is time consuming to right. do it well. And the, uh, an example of someone who's, who also followed a similar path as me, like the similar era mm-hmm. is John Grimsmo. So him and I came right. in the industry about the same time and he went all in on YouTube and became like YouTube's darling knife maker. Right. And it, he documented like, the entire process from start building a CNC yeah. machine, like really documenting. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's evidence of what happens when you like really go and commit yourself to that kind of project of yeah. not necessarily, he's not necessarily doing like high end video content. And even right. he wouldn't say that it's, it's just vlogs. Right. Um, and that's where kind of the way my YouTube channel is set up right now. But the hard part is, like I said, is it takes a huge amount of brain power to figure out where, what trends you should be following, what effort you should be putting into say YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And then layered on top of, I have to make the knives. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have right. to go out there and actually make the product. And so that soup of just things going on is it's always competing for my time and it's challenging. Well, and there's a, there's another element to this, which is kind of wrapped up in the time um, side of things, which is, as you are doing more production work, doing runs of this, of a similar model, what are you showing? What, what is the new and interesting content that you are creating around that? If that's the goal, if it's like slightly longer format, YouTube art, my goal has always just been like with Instagram, essentially it's kind of just a window into the shop. It's like you peek into the window and you're like, Oh, Luke's like, Luke's getting ready for a show. If I'm out of the shop, sometimes it's just family stuff. Like it, it's just yeah. a connection point for people, but we've never really actively tried to like monetize Instagram. Um, I, most of our sales are not generated from Instagram. It's just a, it's just another community access point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've never done YouTube because I realize I don't have the bandwidth to create and edit videos mm-hmm. on any type of, <laughs> consistent schedule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's going to be a problem. Well, I don't know if problems the right word. It's going to be a challenge for pretty much everyone moving forward in this generation. And I think no one can guess here in 10 years along our career, what's going to be happening and where people's focus is going to go is, is YouTube going to stay on it on this course or whatnot. But I just, I've forced myself to, I, it's easy when I have like customers at my door that want knives, it's easy for me to start to like hide in the shop and almost disappear as far as like a public outlet goes. It's like, it's almost the natural thing. Cause it's like, well, I've got enough customers keep me busy for quite a number of months. Might as well just make knives and just let the chips fall the way they will. And then six months later in, in this day and age, like it seems like your relevancy can weaken in just a number of months. I, I think that's true, especially initially, um, two, two thoughts on this. We like on the, like, if you go back 10 or 15 years in, in custom makers, you see a maker fill his order book and he gets so busy that he stops doing shows, kind of stops posting new work. Cause he's working on the same work. 
people forget quickly. Um, but I think if you're at a certain point in the industry, I, 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 everyone sees the, the trajectories. You can't be everywhere all the time, everything to all people, right? Mm -hmm. Some, something, things shift unless you are very happy making the same type of product in the same type of output and you, you're, your entire kind of business model is balanced and like holistic around like, I make this many knives. I post this many photos. I do these shows every year mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. That's always, it's never worked. Um, growth is painful. Um, and so a lot of times I, when you're in a growth phase, something else is having to like flex or conform or break in order to allow that movement. Mm -hmm. So, the two thoughts there would be that I think like where you're at now, I think it's the pendulum, right? I think it is this idea of, I don't know that you can effectively balance it day to day. So it might swing where you're going, all right, these two weeks are, I'm deep in production. Mm -hmm. You can take photos, you can film you just probably can't interact, edit, post, and like be present also in that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's also not six months. Right. You know, it might be like once or twice a month, you're putting out a few videos and you're really good on Instagram, actually. Like you're posting process, you're, you're giving little shop insights, you're moving machines in. I think that to me, where we're at, I see that as the value. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I, I can say this, Luke, like you, I've always described you to other people as like having some of the strongest brand awareness of any guy in the knife industry, as far as like you being aware of your own brand mm -hmm. and, and, and what that means, like as far as how you run your business has been impressive to me. And so I, I've always been trying to learn from what you do with regard to brand management. And I think one of the things that that makes your brand so successful is it doesn't seem like you are designing some slick brand and then kind of like plastering it and putting it in people's faces and doing the kind of like hiring a design firm and making it look all pretty like it seems more human. Um, so how how do you feel about setting that up? Do you feel like that was really intentional or do you feel like it's just an extension of your personality or? Um, I mean, it, it's probably a little bit of both. Ultimately, I think as a maker looking one, you can be a maker and not be a brand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Being a brand and being a maker don't have to be like simultaneous. The decision to interact, I think as a brand or have a brand presence, I think is kind of a first step towards that. Like I look at anything I do under our brand kind of as me and as mm -hmm. Maddie, as the business, like it was why I moved away from the term mid tech when we were doing production runs, you know, because I just thought, Hey, my brand can support a production knife. I can tell people it's production as a custom maker. Some of those decisions can be scary because you don't want people to perceive your, you as a maker differently. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's, I think that's a big part of it. Um, as far as like the growth and the development of it, like, it's been pretty organic. Um, I'm ultimately, I'm like probably not where I want to be with it. Like, but it's, it's the same thing where it takes 
I could shift all of my energy and bandwidth into growing the brand, but that would mean I'd have to give up a bunch of other stuff and I've never been ready to like take that leap. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's progressed like really organically. It hasn't scaled too fast. It hasn't, it hasn't, you know, flooded a market. It hasn't like, it just kind of grown with me. Um, yeah. And I, I would say that's like the feeling I get as an onlooker is like, it seems like you have an ability to sense the limits of your brand and where like right. you have maybe approaching a limit as far as like how many of this certain product should be sold or how much expansion you can afford to do. And like, it just seems like your, your, or the, your ability to grow organically without overextending is right. impressive. I, I really think, you know, I mean, if I could make more product, I would, um, in a lot of areas. Cause my, my goal, like I really like it. I've always said exclusive inclusivity. Like I want the product to feel special. I want people, but I want people to be able to get it right. My goal mm-hmm. is to never like shut it down. Like, you know, I mean, we do drops and like a drop will last for 30 seconds. And that that's me doing like, I'm trying to do something bigger and I'm always like shocked and like, okay. And over the mm-hmm. years, the numbers have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, but so mm-hmm. is the support and the demand. Mm-hmm. So that that's the other part of this. I think that from a brand building standpoint and like from a social media standpoint, it's like, what, what is your actual goal with social media? What is the point of it? For me, it's always come back to community. So I don't look at like, Hey, how can I increase my social media presence? Or like, how can I create like much better content? It's way more base than that for me, which is like, how Mm. can I connect with my community? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, I think it shows. And I think it's, it's paying dividends, I think, for your brand, like the way you've managed it. It doesn't yeah. seem salesman-y, you know? Yeah, I'm not a salesman. I like, yeah. I'm not I'm not good at sales. I'm not good at, I don't think I'm good at marketing. Um, but You're but not. in that, man, like I realized, like if you look at my Instagram, the last thing I posted was like when I was getting ready for the Pacific Northwest Invitational Knife Show. Mm-hmm. I've been working since then. I just haven't, man, it's hard. Like, what do, what do I post? I don't always have something to say. And that's like that to me, people who are super consistent with a daily post or like a post every couple of days, it, I think that's a much better model. Like I would benefit if I just posted something regardless of what it was every day. Mm -hmm. Why at this stage does that feel like too much? I don't know. Yeah. And it's weird to me. I don't understand why it seems almost fatiguing to post every day when it really takes like a minute to do. (laughs) And you know, if it's not a video, if it's just like, you're just making, posting a picture with a nice caption or something like it feels fatiguing. I don't know if it's like social anxiety that has something to do with like broadcasting yourself to a bunch of people or what, but for, I've heard it from a lot of people that it's like, it's tiring to upkeep a social media account, but at the same time, it should be totally doable. If you look at like how many minutes it takes, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I really think it just comes down to like the time pie, which man, I really need a better term. Like, I don't know how to, like, I just think of, I think of a pie and the slices and I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's our time. When you're dealing with production, when you're dealing with kids, when you're dealing with, with design work or, I mean, God forbid, like slowing down to like improve processes or anything like Mm -hmm. this, it's not that any one thing is difficult. 
it's that all of the things are pulling you in different directions and are different parts of your brain. Um, man, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, the balance side of it. Cause I, we were talking about earlier how I, like I spent eight years running my business, not necessarily making my own product. So I was, everything I was doing was like thinking about designing, managing my time for sitting down in front of SolidWorks, but interacting with people, networking, setting up shows, talking to people on the phone. Like it was a very hands off, but like just socially involved way of doing business. But now that I have this like behemoth of a commitment, which is to make knives and a lot of them and have all these customers and stuff, which I love doing. It's like, it's totally thrown a wrench in this mix. And it's, it, the whole thing is basically blown up in every direction. And I'm like trying to reassemble it. And so that's like my main job right now. And I want to build a good system. I don't want to limp forever, you right. know? So I'm trying to think intentionally about how I put it back together. And, and like you said, what things do I just not need to do? What can I just cut out? What, well, what, what can doesn't you cut out and what back? do you, what do you actually want? Like growth for growth, growth sake is like, I, I don't see it as a benefit. I think it is a really Western way of working where you're like more like, mm. what's the answer? Okay. I'm making this many. I should make more because more mm. means more money. Right. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a freedom in my mind when I feel like the things that I'm going to make are going to sell. Like I have, there's a certain sense of security that comes from having enough demand to where you're not designing something. And you're thinking when you're designing it, like, am I going to be able to sell enough of these to go through like this whole sheet of steel that I had water jet? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want to have enough demand where I can be creative and flexible and not feel like I'm going to lose my butt because I, you know, didn't design something that people liked or something like, cause if you're on the floating edge of like, if you're, if you're only barely have enough customers who are interested in your stuff and you do something that's not as desirable as the last thing you did, then maybe you're in trouble. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to wager that it's not actually something you need to worry about. Um, I think at this point there's enough traction and that's like, that's just like maker imposter syndrome mm-hmm. stuff that we do to ourselves. Yeah. Like, like I, every time I go to a show, I get nervous because I, I, I'm like, man, what if it does? What if people don't like what I brought? What if it, what if I don't sell? I haven't done a show that I haven't sold out at in probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. I like, so there's no, there's no basis in the fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is, I, I think the fear is fine. Like staying humble, like super valuable as long as that's not like prohibiting you from yeah. um, an improvement or, or you know, and stuff. well, and that's yeah. here, here's my point with the, with like, what's enough. Right. So you have, you have the swing on one side, you spend five days a week, every hour producing on the other side, you spend all that time promoting, doing video content, networking, man, networking, like, I'd almost throw design in there, which feels weird, but it's like, mm-hmm. but it's not production work, right? So it's, it's all it's kind great. of work that pays off in the future. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we know that either one of those things could ultimately 
probably be effective at creating an income, Mm -hmm. but in different ways. Right. Right. So is there a way that allows you to work? Like, I don't know. Do you, do you think of your work in cycles or seasons or anything? Like, do you think like two weeks or a month or? Uh, well, things are changing so fast right now that it just feels like, I don't know. Like a, it's like a <laughs> phoenix mess. coming out of the ashes yeah. and I don't know what it's going to even look like. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, um, well, okay. So, so there's, there's like the idea, right? So we know that we're not going to create a product in and out in one day. You don't go to work. Mm-hmm. Like it's not day labor. You're not going to go to work, get home, get paid, move on. Um, Two weeks seems short. So say it's a month. If you started off the month and you made 50 overlands, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, that's actually enough overlands for the month. Mm -hmm. I pivot. That that is what I am kind of playing with. I have more product lines than you do. And it's, and I'm struggling with it because a lot of times I look and I'm like, it's so easy just to slip into like the next job, realizing that social media or like even like email stuff like that, like are getting pushed to the side or, or design work. Right. Mm. So what's the, what's like the honest balance? Do you see, do you see a way that you could honestly balance your, to where you feel like you're actually, you have the bandwidth for three or four different components of the business. So say production, design, process improvement. And then would you, I guess, would you consider like order fulfillment and shipping in production or is that separate? Yeah. I'd put that in production. Okay. So you'd put that in production. I would keep it separate. And then sales and marketing. So we're looking at five mm-hmm. to six. We're looking at five to six kind of elements. Mm-hmm. If you break down a month, you already have more elements than weeks. Yeah. Yeah. What's the breakdown? Right. Yeah. No, it's I, where I'm at right now is I like coming up with a, with a pretty solid strategy because if if I don't have a strategy and like a schedule in mind, I'll I'll like I'll just go all in on one of those things. Mm-hmm. And recently it has been production. Like for the last eight months, I like didn't post a lot. I did didn't my YouTube channel dried up. Like I quit posting videos up until this podcast started. I I was I was making knives. Like that was all I was doing. Right. And I realized like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. I need to be a little more diversified. And so I'm, I'm building out my schedule and right now kind of how it looks is like we do the podcast. So one day a week, ideally, if we can do it, sit down and do the podcast. Nice thing is there's not a lot of post-processing for something like this. Right. Um, and then I try to pick one day out of the week where I know I'm going to be do something, doing something interesting for a video for YouTube because the way I'm doing it vlog style is also similar to the podcast and that it's pretty easy to do. Okay. Um, not a lot so, of editing. Yeah, if I can do one video a week and one podcast a week and produ- and produce, but the the one that I haven't strategized in is design right now because I don't think it's a one day a week thing. I think it's more of a like one week a month thing or one or two weeks. So I had a asked you about this. Or something. I had asked you about this a few days ago because it's something that I'm really struggling with. Yeah. 
right? I don't think I could do a one day a week thing. I think, I think one it, day a week's not enough. Uh, no. And you get in the rhythm and it may be like yeah. one o'clock in the afternoon by the time you like get the groove and you're really like pushing design forward. And then yep. if you disappear for six days, it's, it's not clean. You it's can't not enter back in. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I've ended up, which is I'm, I'm kind of looking at it like, okay, am I able to schedule my production work in the beginning of the month mm. so that I go out, I do, I do my production. Maybe that's like, maybe I do 10 folders, which for me would be like insanity. Mm. Um, I would love that, but I'm also doing, I'm doing Cypox. I'm doing polys. I'm doing, we're doing like other products that we're managing and stuff like that. So my time at this point is like very fractured, mm. but it's all valuable. And I don't know like where to pull back. Yeah. Design is one that it's hard to get into the, like the flow state for me. Like you said, maybe by lunchtime that first day I'm starting to like hit my groove. Mm-hmm. And then by four o'clock, you know, there's something with the kids and it's dinner. Like, okay. I mean, really for me in the past, it's been like a two week vortex where I'm like, I'm working in design. I'm like kind of not talking to people. I'm, I'm probably missing some meals and like being like a general weirdo. Mm-hmm. I don't have the opportunity yeah. to do that anymore. Yeah. So it's like, and, and it, here's, here's a weird one. Do you, do you classify your work where like you look at, like, do you consider the podcast work? Can you look at this and be like, yeah, we did a podcast today. I did work. I, I consider it work. You consider for it sure. work. For sure. And design. For sure. Same. Consider it work. Yeah. So I've always had a hard time. If I wasn't making yeah. knives, I didn't feel like I was working. Mm-hmm. It's so backwards. Yeah. It's like well, so ridiculous. All, all, all that I had, which was work for eight years was design and video yeah. work. So that yeah. that's where we're coming from the opposite direction. Right. It's like yeah. where you start, you add in something. You get so you're, you're yeah. feeling it organically because now you're doing production, but production in a way is that concept of day labor. Mm-hmm. You work, the work is done, you get paid, you work again. Mm-hmm. The content creation, the design work, those are things that live on past the day's work. Right. So you're feeling like you're feeling like an opportunity cost, which is like, man, all right, I'm doing this and I'm making really good money. But you can also see that these other things that are very important are getting pushed to the yeah. side. I, I think in time management, this this just falls under like important versus emergency. Yeah. Right. So the important yeah. things you can like put off as you have little fires to put out, yeah. but they're probably long-term more valuable than putting like, I mean, a fire is like, I guess it depends on the fire, but, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like an analogy is almost like, um, if you're like on a big ship, and you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're like, oh, we're a long ways from land. Like, I don't have to worry about steering it that much. I'm just going to be productive in another way. And then it's like, well, but deep down, like you'd love for this ship to be headed to the Bahamas, not the Arctic. And so it's like, you got to put down your broom and like go point the ship in the right direction every once in a while. Right. And that's how it feels is like, sometimes I, I stand back and I'm like, 
I don't know if I'm headed the right direction, like at scale in, in mass, like over the next 15 years, like I need to correct a little bit. Um, and that's where designing knives for mass market and stuff like that is part of that picture. Cause mm-hmm. it's like part of the, the way the brand is viewed to the public is like, you know, collaborations with CRKT and what's going on, what's happening, whom, you know, you went to work with WorkSharp, like big projects like that, where it's like exposure type stuff. Sure. For me is like steering the big ship. And then right. it's like, but I'm down in the like basement, like making knives. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know where the ship's going. Um, it has that sensation a little bit. I think the fact that you're aware of it now is, is telling, I think it, it's like some of the stuff around parenting, like I worry about and I'm like, man, at least I'm like having the thought. Yeah. Like at least I'm yeah. worried about this thing. Yeah, and that exactly. maybe like, maybe means it won't be a problem. Mm. Over the years, I've tried so many different variations of like time management and production. I'm, I'm kind of getting to a stage now where I realize that in my shop, I think I'm not interested in doing serial production mm-hmm. and it's weird. It's a weird feeling because, well, what does that, what does that mean? Well, it means that I'm probably not going to be working on like big batches of the same thing as my day to day work, mm-hmm. but I'm struggling with how to like restructure that. Right. Um, you know, and so I'm looking at it like kind of like a weekly like a weekly thing. Like if the first few days of the week are production and the last few days are, man, it's honest. Like as I'm saying it, it, none of it sounds good. It's like, I would do, I do productive production work for two to three days out of the week. And then on the tail end of the week, I do design work and like process improvement. And, but then like, are you doing accounting in there? Are you doing like material orders? All of the, you make more knives you interact with more people, you order more materials, you ship more product. Like there's a point where like there's a break point where it could, it basically wouldn't work unless you scale. Mm -hmm. I don't ever like running (laughs) like Ricky Bobby style, you know, in the red. Yeah. I want to honestly, man, if I could run it like 50% of like my internal capacity as a human and be yeah. successful. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. My, Maybe that number is closer to 30. Manage your duty cycle. Yeah. yeah. Like manage my duty cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Like it works for machines, man. It, some of this stuff is like, I think we way overcomplicate it. Yeah. So man, but it's hard. Yeah. Well, my thoughts are, so I have like a certain number of knives something similar to the overland like a a fixed blade but i have a certain number of those that i want to have produced in a month okay and my idea is if i can stay on the overland and that particular knife and perfect it and perfect it and perfect it from a production workflow standpoint the amount of time it takes me to make that many knives is going to shrink we're talking like toyota style right exactly right and it earns me more time back yeah to get the design work fit in there and whatnot So like for the last year, it's been hard to get design time in, but I've also gotten more and more and more efficient on the knives. And so it's like, it's happening fast enough where the scales are tipping, but the temptation is to use that efficiency to make more. You know what I mean? That's it, right? Work makes work. Yeah. So this is, we talked, I think in one of the earlier podcasts, like about like flexibility and it's like, Mm. it's flexibility is only as good as your application of it. Yeah. 
So is efficiency. Mm-hmm. If efficiency, if your use of efficiency is just to make a little bit more every mm-hmm. time, I mean, if you're trying to grow into a production company, that's probably not wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I think a lot of businesses, I think a lot of production, like shop guys, regardless of the industry, I think they go, they jump these like weird divides where it's like they're outpacing their own production. So they like jump into a, being a production company. Mm-hmm. And I think like, oh, now I've got, I went from like having a paid off CNC machine to like, now I have five CNCs and three employees. And it's like, yeah, but you had never figured out your actual workflow, Mm -hmm. like for a one man shop. So I think, I think this almost comes down back to that brand building thing where it's like, if it's super organic, if you're like, man, I would just really like to be able to do an extra 25 knives a month. Okay. Those 25 knives a month could eat like pay for help. Mm-hmm. However many hours a week that is. Maybe that's a 20 hour a week employee. But that 20 hour a week employee is able to do that work efficiently. And he has bandwidth on the end. Mm-hmm. Right. That still only works if you don't use the efficiency to just make more. Yeah. But to like work differently. Yeah. Or you're yeah. like, oh, I'm working five days a week. I don't want to work five days a week. We just got efficient enough that now we can run four days. Yeah. And the, and the other thing that I that I struggle with for sure is like the guilt. Because if totally one, once you hit a gold vein of like this knife is selling, people want it. Yeah. I know how to make it. I can efficiently make it. And then you disappear for a week like I went backpacking. It's like, it's hard to not think in your head of like how much you lost by not making knives that week. Dude, and how much did you gain by going backpacking? No, well, like? I, I will say that was worth it. That was very <laughs> worth it, no matter what it costs. But it's like, even but smaller stuff. Let's say like, let's say there's a sale on blueberry bushes and we're just going to go buy out their last stock. And so it's going to cost me like half of a day to go to Home Depot and like plant them and stuff. It's like stuff sure. like that, that it's like, oh, I'm going to go save 20 bucks on these bushes, but how much does it cost? And it's like hard to not let your brain go to like math when it comes to simpler stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, the best economic thing would be for this to be the only thing I do is just make these knives. But it's like, that's not a very like human way to approach it. You know what I mean? No. And that's not like you going to get blueberry bushes with your wife and and your babies. Like, dude, you can always make more money. Yeah. Right. Like, Right. And why are you making money if you, if it doesn't free you up to go do that? That's the beauty of what we do. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I have guilt on another side, right? Which I think of this as like Western work ethic guilt. Mm -hmm. Grew up in a culture of makers that are some of the hardest working people I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we're talking like, you know, 12, 14 hour days, six, seven days a week kind of stuff, like watching makers do this. And as I was like coming up, there was a big part of me that was like, this is the way it's done. Mm -hmm. But in the back of my mind, I was seeing things that would allow me to run my business differently. And I took, I took those chances, but it still, it still messes with me. Yeah. Like I feel like, I feel like I should be 
like, <laughs> like, like almost like, I feel like the work should be harder. Or I feel yeah. like, you know, it's like, like no pain, no ditches or something, no yeah. pain, no gain. And I, yeah. I, man, having kids, I've gotten better about it. Cause like, there's a lot of value in hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also see, man, there's a lot of value in working intelligently yeah. and like creating time. Time well, for me is the asset that I'm trying to build. It's like the, the Bill Gates quote. I think it was him. He's like, if I have a really difficult problem, I'll find the laziest person and get them to sure. handle it because they'll find the easiest way to do it. Right. You know? I wonder if there's any like truth in that. I've known yeah. a lot of lazy people. And I yeah. don't always feel like that's like. Yeah. There's, there's a limit. Obviously you might be dipping like hot dogs and mayonnaise because <laughs> it's like easier than cooking. Right. Doesn't right. mean it's the best solution. <laughs> right. No doubt. I guess, I guess the lazy you'd be, that could be loosely defined in that way, I guess. Loosely. Depends. Yeah. Depends. And, and also what is lazy in Bill Gates organization? Yeah. So right. like you have someone and, and yeah, maybe it's not lazy. Maybe it's just like, yeah, someone who is underutilized well and, and oh, like, i've like in some sometimes i've thought to myself like maybe i'm lazy because I'll, I'll whenever something i think we have mentioned this in the podcast before but when i'm doing something if it feels inefficient everything in my body tells me to stop doing it like this just it sucks i wish i had that and I'll, I'll like i remember growing up with uh this was like a formative experience i was on a trail crew for two summers when i was young like high school and there was uh we would basically dig trail uh, on a contract for the forest service. So it'd be existing trail that was like overgrown or like trees had fallen, and rocks had rolled on it just in the forest, mm-hmm. uh, the what public forest. And so we'd go dig, you know, 10 miles of trail. And I was just always thinking like, this is not like, I, all, I couldn't stop thinking like, this is not the best way to do this. And I couldn't shut it off. And I remember there was one time, like one of the bosses like snapped at me. He's like, lots of bright ideas or something like that. Like just, kind of talking down to me because i kept like having ideas of like to make it more efficient and so i was like fine i'm not gonna like say my ideas ever again and i like shut up about it but i remember like thinking to myself like i'm gonna i'm gonna use this in the future you know what i mean like he doesn't see it but like i just i can't not think about efficiency and if i'm doing something that doesn't feel efficient then i immediately feel like i'm becoming lazy because my body is just like stop doing this inefficient thing but if That's I'm doing something amazing. that feels efficient, then I can do it all day. And I, you right. know what I mean? And that like that feeling of laziness where you're like, just stop. Like it doesn't kick in if it feels efficient. It's yeah, weird. You're right. I've got, I don't know, man. I've said before that I like to work efficiently, but I think in a way it's because I separate some of my work from my income. Hmm. Like sometimes I just want to make a knife and I want to just enjoy it and like dawdle along through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that it's all personal skills. So it's, I mean, it's all hand controlled. It's like, I'm just working. And in that I'm not necessarily like, of course I'm trying to be efficient for myself, but, um, I think there are ways of working that are, that are enjoyable and like satisfying that will never be like efficient, Mm, right? There's always a more efficient way of doing something. And the ultimate efficiency is usually having someone else do it. So like at the point where you want to be so efficient that you don't want to do the thing, it's like now you're a manager. 
Yeah. Or like now is when you are wearing a suit and sitting in the office and the production floor is doing something else. For me, it's always been a slippery slope. Uh, (laughs) I guess actually the first, the first time I ever experienced that was delivering pizzas. It was like my favorite job, like of jobs I'd ever had. I did it for four years, like 18 to 22 at a CRX Honda CRX with an Integra motor. It was lowered, had like (laughs) sweet sound system. It was rad. I would go deliver pizzas every night at the end of the night. I'd probably have like a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars cash in my pocket. Dang. Over that time period, you see drivers get lured out of driving into management. Mm-hmm. Never once did I see it end with them being happier. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, you're you're technically making more money. Yeah. But now you're you're just in the hut like answering phones and like dealing with the drivers, you know, and like dealing with like people running the phones and the problems as opposed to cruising around in your car, music, making cash money, listening to music. Yeah. Scale that up to shop life. And there's a component of that that I think is like very, very valid. Yeah. No, I, I, I think something I should be disciplined on is teaching myself to not make every single thing in my life an optimization problem. Because that's that's just the way I'm wired, and it's not always the healthy thing to do. It pays dividends in certain ways, but then other times it's like, just stop. Like it's not. It doesn't have to be optimized, you know. Yeah, I mean, same here. And I've always kind of wondered, like, what that, what overall, what that means. Like, you overthink things, or you think too much. Mm-hmm. At different points in my life, like it's been incredibly beneficial, right? I think there's mm-hmm. like everything we're talking about, there's probably a balance point. Yeah. Yeah. What are you overthinking? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's something I wish I could turn on and off. You know what I mean? But it's like, right. It's not really how it works, but maybe with enough introspection and enough wise decades, I could get it. Podcasting. A little bit of a handle. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. But no, I, I tend to overthink, but then other times I think just enough and it serves me really well. Like, Oh, you know, I'll map a process out like way I'll be like 20 steps ahead thinking about how I'm going to get through this struggle. And I mm-hmm. was like planning for that struggle all along. You know what I mean? And it ends up paying off, you know? Right. So, yeah, that's like, that's like foresight kind of stuff could also mm-hmm. just be like some general anxiety yeah, where your brain say, is like running down the road. Like, Oh, okay. Great what yeah. threats are coming. I'm going to try to handle as many of them or as many unseen circumstances yeah. as possible. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's an anxiety inducer. I, I don't have like issues with anxiety, but there's times where I'll get, once I have like that third or fourth struggle on my plate of like, let's say there's something in the shop and then something with the house and then something with the kids. Like as soon as I get like three or four items and I start to, try to focus on all of them and solve all those problems in my head and optimize all those things. Like there is a bandwidth that gets reached and then it's like fatigue sets in and then anxiety. You know what I mean? So I I try to like, what's that time pie Yeah, back in it, back to the time pie, man. Like, well, I mean, probably some of it is just like decision fatigue. Yeah, exactly. Like you come into the morning, you have, Mm -hmm. that's, that's why you, you hear like the, um, like only wearing like a black turtleneck sweater every day 
Yeah. You know, that's why people do that stuff. So it's like one less to sit at the point where you're having to make huge amounts of high level decisions. Can you imagine just reducing, like I wake up every morning, I put on my clothes that I don't have to think about. I eat the I eat food. None of that requires any bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Probably makes a lot of sense. Maybe yeah. not for you or me, but yeah. Well, and the other thing that I've found that is a big help is like try not to leave anything open-ended because the open-ended things that you leave are the ones that start to stack. For example, Man. like if I'm if I'm going to work on my deck and like like right now one of the posts kind of sank and I'm thinking about starting on fixing it, but I'm telling myself like I'm not going to start on it until I'm going to finish it in one shot. Because if I, if I get all these problems in my head and I start working on it and get like slightly invested and then pivot and pivot and pivot and I get like four or five things that are halfway finished, that's where like decision fatigue becomes a huge problem. Um, but if I, it's, it's kind of like lean manufacturing from a headspace standpoint of like, I'm going to only bring the things in that I'm going to use today and then I'm going to complete it and I'm going to send it out the door. So it's like, I'm only going to bring a problem into my head when I'm going to solve it right now. I'm going to completely solve it no matter how long it takes and then discard it and then bring in a new one. So good in theory. Like it's so good. Well, you, you had said like, sometimes you think about things just enough. I mean, if you could, if we were capable of actually doing that in multiple areas of our life, we would actually probably do quite a bit more. Yeah. Cause we're, we're wasting resources and like, going back to like the social media or content creation thing, if it's scheduled in and not like an arbitrary, like, Oh, I need to do a video. I think you have a much better odds of just being like, cool. Like it takes me four hours a week to do my content creation. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like budgeting money. Like you're budgeting yeah. time for yeah. work in ways, not that all work is of equal value, but that all work is valuable. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. For sure. Man. Totally. I don't know how to do it. I don't know. I'm literally at this point, like I'm uh, just like on a personal note. Um, next week I'm getting tested for ADHD. Hmm. So like people have always said like that they thought I had ADHD or whatever, but, and then, but I'm like pretty productive overall. Hmm. Um, I'm just very curious because at this point in my life with all of these bouncing balls, like I am struggling with it. Yeah. So I'm like, no, all right, cool. If I can put a name to it in a process to like improve it. Yeah. No, I've, I've, know? I've thought before that I probably have some degree of something like that. I don't know. I haven't like investigated it, but my brain doesn't work the same as most people. Like I've, I've realized that like, it's kind of, I'm kind of an odd duck. Okay. So it's cause you're too yeah. smart. That's uh, why <laughs> Get stuck in my head all the time, I guess. Dude, it's a, it's a lot and it changes, man. All of this stuff changes. Sometimes, sometimes I think like, you know, I've created this system for myself where I like, maybe this is why I wasn't good at jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was never an excellent employee. Yeah. Um, I think I'm pretty good at running my business and I, and I overall, I enjoy it, but like, I noticed that over the last, you know, three to four years, as things have gotten more busy or just around life, 
the the areas where I did struggle have come into focus in a different way. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of what these conversations are, which is if you are seeing an inefficiency in your business or an area where you feel like you could be doing things a little bit different, I think you are way better off addressing them early, even if it comes at a financial cost, than like letting them just kind of grow quietly, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think the, to go back to the analogy of like steering a boat, it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't change your mind too many times. It's like, you don't want to just be swerving all over the place. It's like the shortest distance between two, two points is like as straight a line as possible. Right. So it's like, you don't want to over course correct all the time as in like, you know, I overdid this and I'm going that way and that way. And you bounce around and like pretty soon you're just going in circles. Right. Um, and so that's where I think focusing on the big picture and where you're headed is important, but don't chase every little idea to like the nth degree. Oh, and it's yeah. like, cause if every 12 months you're on a new plan, then. I'm like, I've yeah. been, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Like don't judge me. Right. Don't. Well, Last year I went on a, dude, I mean, you're, you're at this point, you're pretty focused. I think that the way that you're working leads towards that. I really like learning as I know that you do too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like post shop move and all this stuff, I was really, I needed to like decompress in a way, but it's like, I went to Arizona and did a three day course and patina work came back Mm -hmm. and like spent probably a couple thousand dollars on equipment. And like, you know, it's like a deep dive and it's like, Okay. doesn't have a whole lot of work with my, like to do with my day-to-day work. Um, the most recent is like forging equipment. I spent like, mm-hmm. I don't know, $30,000 on forging equipment mm-hmm. and really have no intention of like earning an income with forging. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, oh, man, that's a hobby inside of a hobby, right? So mm-hmm. knife making maybe yeah. starts as a hobby and then it becomes like a career. Yeah. For me, the ability to essentially treat myself to inefficiency and like a different way of thinking is valuable, mm-hmm. but it does come at a cost. Um, and the cost that's time pie, man, it, it, yeah. there's more of a distraction. It's yeah. like, if I wanted to be super efficient right now, what I should probably be doing is digging full bore into my CAD and cam skills and process improvement to make things on my own CNC, submitting design work and putting Burnley brand production projects into play. Right. Right. So the question for me is like, well, okay, where's the right balance of that? Cause it, again, you like, you look at it and you're like, well, there's like five, like I, I, at the end of the day, I think I run almost three complete businesses, which is Mm -hmm. me making product out of my shop, me designing product for production companies and me being creative director of Burnley brand. Mm -hmm. Each one of those things basically could support my family at this point. Each one of those things could probably support me working a 40 hour week on it. Yeah. How do I, how do I pick and choose? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not the money. Like the money is like the money is important, but if it came down to it, like I'd probably just go full bore into design and Burnley brand. It's like, 
I spent the last 20 years building my skills in my workshop. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I keep thinking like that three to five year, you hear a lot of people say like, think three to five years ahead. Mm -hmm. And I I like that philosophy. I think that's a good time frame to be thinking about. And for me, I keep thinking like in three to five years, that's what I'm deciding right now. Ultimately, like that's kind of the open-ended question, because like I said, this, the way things have been going in the shop has kind of surprised me. Like I I didn't really think it was going to happen this fast. And I thought it was just going to be like this skunk works of like a support role to my design. And then all of a sudden I'm getting more efficient than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. People want the knife more than I thought they would. It's like, it's growing into a production company like underneath me. And it's like, is that, do I want to take that all the way to being a production company or do I want to stop somewhere short of that? And it's like, it's on track. Like if I just kept doing what I'm doing, like it just keep growing. And it's like, it'll happen without you making a decision. Exactly. And that's where I'm trying to be. I'm trying to, I've had many conversations with my dad about this of like, what do I want? Because the question is largely is like, we are, I'm going to have to have another shop soon. Like that's coming. And in addition, like a new house for the family, like we're just, our family's growing and whatnot. And so I keep thinking like, do I want to plan this to be set up where someone who's an employee could spend time there? Or do I want to avoid that altogether? And so that's the three to five year decision that I'm on right now is like, does an employee fit and does an employee allow me more time to design or is that a pipe dream? Is it really going to be that managerial position? Is it going to take a a lot of time? You know, I would say based, based on my own experience, I actually think your process allows you to, it's more teachable than my process and would require, I think it would free you up. Mm-hmm. Um, mine allowed me to, we went up to two full-time employees. I was able to make more product, make more money overall, but I actually, I spent a lot more time doing like managerial stuff and I really didn't mm-hmm. enjoy it. We yeah. were one or two steps away from being efficient enough like we were, we were lucky, man. One of the cool things about being like a small shop, like hiring a person, especially if you have like a home shop is you're basically running them through a filter that if they can't be around your family, they can't be an employee. Yeah. yeah. That's actually pretty cool because mm-hmm. you're getting a caliber of person yeah. that you are essentially being like, yeah, I'm cool with you. Like interacting with my kids. Yeah. And yeah. I've worked in shops over the years where like, yeah, man, that guy over there in the corner, like you know, he's an ass. I don't want him anywhere around anybody. I like, <laughs> Yeah, but right. he's good at his job, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I do think like, I think where you're at now, even as a test part-time employment would probably be pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, it took me, it took me going to the two full-timers to see that it was not where I wanted to be right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe later. Maybe I'll get to a point where that's like something I want to approach again, but the, I was not efficient enough in the areas that you actually have the efficiency to capitalize on someone being in your shop. Well, I I was telling my wife just the other day, I think I could, if I got the right guy, I could, there's nothing I'm doing that I couldn't train someone to do outside of design. Like as far as like making knives. Like, I think I could apprentice somebody up to like being able to manage almost everything, mainly because I'm doing like CNC grinding. And so it's like that 
I could like help could go as far as I wanted it to go if I brought yep. him in the shop. Um, and so that's, I know if I opened that valve, like that would be a huge boon as far as efficiency and like productivity. But the yep. question is, I know it would work. That's not the question. It's right. Is it what I would want if I extrapolate that to five to 10 years? Is that picture the picture that I dream of? And it's, Man. that's the, what is the dream precisely? Because I feel like I'm moving forward. It's like, like I said, it's like the, I'm shoveling coal in the furnace in the bottom of the ship and the ship's hauling right. ass. Right. And I go up to check. I'm like, we're headed towards the Bahamas. And I'm like, but do I actually want to go to like, I don't know, South America instead? Like, right. should I, should I turn the ship a right. little bit or let it go straight? Yeah, the or... answer is not to keep shoveling coal. Yeah. Right. It's like, you got to take time. And that's yeah. where I think, I think a lot of people get into their business and then spend the majority of their career shoveling coal. Yeah. Yeah. It, man, it's not that it doesn't work. And for some people, that's exactly where they want to be. Yeah. Uh, have you watched the Lego movies? No. Oh man. One, I'm you need to. They're amazing. They are, they are amazing. Mm. Yeah. But they talk about like, you know, the special. Yeah. I look at my business and I'm like, it's interesting to me when it's special. Yeah. I didn't start making knives because I wanted to work in a factory. Right. Does that mean I want to run a factory? Cause you're still working in one. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think, and, and again, everything in a season, like maybe I get to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like, yeah, I've spent enough time working with my hands. I do. I actually do want to explore this at a different level, mm-hmm. but well, not, not there now. That I would like to be able to do like an us. Instagram post. There was a, there was probably a year where I did some work design work for a sheet metal fabricator in Boise who they had mm-hmm. like a laser and a press break, all CNC. So it wasn't like milling or anything like that, but it was like powder coating, press break, welding, and and uh, laser cutting. And it's all highly engineered products. So we're talking about mm-hmm. like brackets that are like built by, you know, a hundred of them in a row. They're identical for like a piece of weightlifting equipment or a piece of like some component for a forklift or something. Um, and I was basically like, doing part-time work that where it was like filling in gaps for like engineering solutions in during, like it could be something on the laser that would be benefited if it had this system or, and I, I was working on that stuff and like walking into the shop in there was like really enjoyable. Like it brought a, like a lot of life to me right. to like, there's this huge mechanism and I'm trying to like refine it. And like, I'm trying to grease this gear and add efficiency here and improve this process and like doing the thinking part. And that's where it's like, if I did have like a couple employees and they were, they were making parts and I was like having more of a bird's eye view of like improvement, like that is where I really do well. Um, and so it's like, that's where I start to think maybe that is the route, but if I get too far down that path and I don't like it, that's, it's a hard one to come back from. It's not possible. I I wouldn't. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I would even worry about that. If you do it organically, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to become a company. I'm going to go get five machine loans and, and lease a building and hire a bunch of people. Yeah. That's hard to back yeah. out of. Yeah. If you are like, man, I could really use 20 hours a week of help. Yeah. That's no, yeah. that that's nothing. You can back down from that. If it gets you to the stage where you can buy your next shop and you're like, I'm going to add another person. That's no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, that's, again, that's the beauty, I think, of a lot of what we're doing is growth. The growth potential is there and you're able to test it and kind of see. And that might be, that might be like a generational shift in the way that businesses are run. Like, I'm, I'm not a businessman, mm. right? And like, I look at this and I'm like, okay, we can, you can become a business. You can become a company, a brand without having to become like large. There's a way to do it as yeah. small as possible a, and that, still be like that mid game, like fast and effective. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the mid game, right? Like mm. you want, you want like, I want to be super, super agile. I want to, I want to have high profit margin. I want to be able to, you know, essentially, I guess ties back to the agile thing, like shift with industry or as, and take on small projects, but still be able to handle bigger projects and all of that stuff you can do without like a lot of overhead. Yeah. Again, coming back to like all these little micro brands that are popping up, um, you know, using overseas production, that was like prime example. Mm-hmm. They're putting out numbers like they're a, a, a big production company but they're not tied to those machines or employees. Yeah. yeah. You could do that from a yeah. beach. Well, I kind of look at like Spartan blades. They have a kind of a cool model, like, cause they're just, they're not, it doesn't seem like they're trying to like, we're going to attack Benchmade and get into Cabela's right. and you know what I mean? Right. They're just like playing this, this little alley of the industry, right? Not little, this, you know, mid game that we talked about that I think right. is kind of cool and interesting. Right. Yeah, real numbers. They enjoy their work. They make a great product. Mm-hmm. Like so yeah. that. So I, I mean, myself, that's like where some of this. Yeah, like do, what? Do, what's the goal? Do I want that, or do I want the one man shop with you know royalty revenue and things, just like a mixture of incomes and like total flexibility? I don't know. That's I don't know. I I kind of man. I think you're really. I think the way that you're working now, I think there's a lot in the way that you start to work, which informs like your future. It feels Mm -hmm. very familiar. I think you can, I think you could definitely play in the production side and still be able to satisfy like the small side. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I look at the same thing. Like when I, when I look at five years, my next one might be like to be able to afford like a two or three bay commercial space. Mm-hmm. I would probably rent out a couple bays. I would move some machinery in. And at that point, you know, even just one product line out of a shop there mm-hmm. and then, you know, have my shop at home to work on my truck and probably still have some equipment on. But yeah. like, yeah. Th- that's the thing about our type of business is it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And, and is, one thing can fund the next thing. There is no textbook on it. There is no mold. There is no, no model. It's like, it's a, it's a malleable instrument, you know? Super. And, and it's interest based. That's like talking about the forging equipment. My business and the success of my business allowed me to purchase equipment that is interesting to me mm-hmm. without the necessity for that to hit the floor. Right. and be instantly productive. Mm-hmm. Scale that up to where you can buy a building, man. I mean, a lot of this is this is like this is the long game, right? We're makers, we work with our hands. There will be a day where we, our hands aren't doing the work or we're not interested in the work or capable of doing the work. Man, I I'd, I'd love to get to that point and have like three or four commercial buildings. Yeah. I mean, why are you making money? Got to make it work. 
I love that. I love that idea that like, um, you know, asking if your money works as hard for you as you do for it. Mm. Like, yeah, you're making it work pretty hard right now. Just bought a new machine. Right. Yeah. Doing, doing my best. It's a, it's a wild ride. It's a, it's happening fast and it's a lot of fun. But like I said, I, I find myself kind of staring off in the distance of like, all right, (laughs) it's moving really fast. Make sure it's pointed in the right direction. That's like the main thing. Totally. Um, just and just keep adjusting dude yeah. we got way off in the weeds yeah <laughs> that was right. we went yeah that was that was a big tangent so here here's a question right like go back to social media content creation what i would love with some of these some of these episodes to to leave it with a plan mm-hmm. what is what do you think you can do that would improve like how can you do a little more content creation over the next month and still maintain your workflow. Cause you can't really change your workflow over a the podcast a week, a video a week. And I, I wouldn't put like an Instagram number to it, but just like general activity, you know, like posting things that are interesting on Instagram when they come up, hopefully a handful of times a week. But if I can get one video up on YouTube and, and ideally if we can pull it off a podcast a week, it'd be nice. That's kind of the, We've been pretty consistent. Yeah. Right. Well, and that, that's the thing we added, man, we added a podcast in. So it's like, does a podcast create some shift in like Instagram? Like is one podcast worth three Instagram posts? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like my overactive brain. Right. Yeah. Optimization problem once again. All right. So you're going to do a pod a week, a Mm -hmm. video a week and try to hit Instagram. Mm -hmm. I will try to do. I'm going to try to do an Instagram post a day. I'm going to try to do one Instagram post per day. All right. Well, now we got a handful of people that are going to call us out on our BS if we don't do it. So (laughs) accountability. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to be. Right. Man. Well, well, I I will say like, uh, we went off topic, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, that was, I had a, that was a good conversation myself. I thought it was really, I mean, really interesting. Some of this stuff is, is almost circular. We're going to come, we're going to swing back around it because as you and I kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm finally like level in the new shop and like business is changing for me. You're in like a huge growth phase, Yeah. but the problems like, and the, and the, the, I I don't even, I hesitate to say like problems, Yeah. but like the issues that we experience are like changes over the last 20 years, like I've seen them come up for me in multiple kind of different, <laughs> different areas, same problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like same so, shit, different day, but it's, yeah, it's like the, it surfaces at a different scale. Right. You a know? lot of the, a lot of these yeah. are issues of scale. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. like what, what with social media content creation, like, I think figuring out the root, like what the value is. So is it, is it reach? Is it building community? Is it brand awareness? Yeah. Um, or are you going to be in a dark black box with a mail slot and you finish the knife and you push it out into the world and you go on to make another one? Sometimes you know, that sounds delightful. Yeah, I know. Right. Like somebody's <laughs> on the other side of that slot, they're going to want it. Just, <laughs> and then hopefully they're not just in a little pile on the other side. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. 
I don't know. There's a lot, man. Yeah. Figuring it out. What's the balance? You guys got any, got any ideas? Is, are you in a yeah. business that, that you're having to balance something similar? Yeah. Um, yeah. if you're a maker and you got an idea on this, man, like post it up in the comments. Yeah. I would be, I would be very curious because there's makers that are doing a really good job. And like, honestly, don't know how, like if you're doing it and you're doing production and you're, you're staying up on your, on your socials, like props, Shop it's impressive. Bells. Yep. It's all good. Well, um, well, appreciate you guys. What else, man? Any, any closers? Uh, no, shoot. I think we about rounded it out there. So, all right, nice. Done guess, talking. Guess I, uh, well, thank you guys, uh, for the listen. And, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess I, I feel like the thread was totally pulled. What do you think? I like it. We're good, man. Yeah. Leave us a uh, leave us a review. Yeah. Leave us some comments, comments questions. Are great. Messages are great. We we definitely are, are listening great. to feedback on what to talk about. So hit us yep. up. All right. All right. Take it easy, guys. Thanks. Peace, guys.